2: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 319 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, April 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com as well. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode, uh, and make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network for a local angle on all the stories going on around the NBA right now, as well as the NFL. If you're into the NFL draft, uh, you can listen to your team's podcast. Talking, They'll talk about, I'm sure, which college child they're going to take for their team. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't care about the NFL draft. But if you do... Listen to On NFL Draft and all the different shows across the network. Uh, please make sure if you find Lockdown Raptors on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or all the places that we're hosted, leave a rating or a review. It's the best way to help out the show, make us more popular, It boosts the algorithm, whatever the hell that means. Um, so thanks so much for doing that in advance and uh, let's get on to the show. Joining me today is our uh, cast of regulars. It's Sahal Abdi. How's it going, buddy?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm oh, great, actually. Probably uh, not so great after that Raptors loss, but yeah. I'm doing okay.
1: Yeah, it'll be alright. Uh, we're also joined by Vivek Jacob. How's it going, man?
3: Pretty good, pretty good. Just uh, things are even now in the United Spurs game, and hopefully there'll be a goal coming, but other than
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely going to be getting the full attention of a Spurs and a United fan uh, during the Spurs-United game. Um, Spurs are superior, of course. Uh, Let's get to the Raptors' Game 3 loss to the Wizards. They lost 122-103. I think that was the final score. Uh, In Game 3 in Washington Friday night, not a great game. I think the Raptors started off pretty well. It was a 27-18 start, and then they gave up a big run to close the first quarter, and from there, it just kind of never really got back on track. The Wizards kind of hit everything, uh, and the Raptors, you know, struggled. They were careless with the ball. They, you know, the pick-and-roll defense really struggled to sort of reach the levels it had earlier in the series, and the Raptors kind of got their asses kicked. So, Hall, let's start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from the Game 3 loss?
0: Um, I guess you could say just because of how, uh, good or how great, uh, the Raptors bench has been throughout the regular season, um, into the playoffs, they didn't have Fred Van Fleet in the first game, really didn't even have him the second game, he was active, he only played three minutes, um, and then he was out for this game, and a lot of people thought that he would be, uh, he would be healthy after this, I think there's a three day gap, maybe 72 hour gap between games two and three, Mm -hmm. um, there was no Van Fleet, so, um it came down to uh, a little more on the lawn right um, who surprisingly to me only played 19 minutes, but um I thought he'd more be in the more high 20 range, but um, I guess what I'm just trying to get at is that the bench didn't play as well as they needed to. Jakob Pertle had um, I think five points. Powell had five points. Um, I don't think anybody had over 10 points maybe except for o, uh, o, uh, sorry no Nomi. Uh, CJ Miles. I don't even think he had ten points. I'm looking at the box where it says he has nine. So yeah. um uh, I think the bench just uh didn't didn't uh, play the way they were supposed to. And I think just the overall team defense, I'm not putting it all on the bench. Uh, when you let the Washington Wizards score over thirty points in three out of the four quarters, um you're probably not gonna stand a chance. Um and the and the Raptors needed this game. This was this they didn't need this game as much just because they were up to zero, but Um, It really really would have put a statement on the series if they could go up 3-0, but um, uh, so I think that was probably their biggest issue.
1: Vivek, what was your biggest takeaway?
0: I think for me, just the overall sloppiness
3: on the road. You know, the game plan is simple. Take care of the ball. uh, Execute on offense. Be tough on both ends. Uh, And... While it looked that way for the first quarter, you could see steadily as the Wizards got more physical, played more desperate, the Raptors struggled to match that intensity. And then over the course of the game, you know, whether it was the flagrant foul by Lowry or Serge Ibaka getting into it with John Wall, you could just see that they were getting flustered. Um, Even Lowry and DeRozan, they both had some uncharacteristic turnovers that, um, and, and the thing is, the Positive for the Raptors is these are very correctable mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take these lessons and you just go into Game Four. You know, for me, I just look at each game as it, it as its own entity. I don't necessarily look at this as momentum that necessarily carries over to the next one. So I think you know, ball goes up in Game Four on Sunday, and you just regroup and try to do the things that you did really well um, in the first quarter and for little spurts in the second and third as well.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Yeah, game to game momentum is not a thing in the playoffs. I mean, look at the Bucks after completely getting destroyed by the Celtics in Game Two, coming out and owning them in Game Three. Like, it's not a thing. Um, which kind of gives me a little bit of hope that the thing that I took away from this game might not carry over. And it was like. You know, it was nice to see the Wizards actually show up and play real basketball. I gotta say, like, they looked pretty lifeless the first two games. Their defense was so... Like, I was going back and watching all of DeMar's buckets and all of his shot attempts, really, from Game 2. And the number of times guys died on screens or just, like, failed to, you know, get under a screen quickly enough. Or just, like, they're the the... the Blow buys. There were guys getting faked out by Demaris. So he would deny the screen and getting completely run by. Um, that was not there in this game. Like they were much more attentive defensively. And then on offense, like the Raptors definitely helped them by coughing the ball up a whole bunch. Did 18 turnovers, um, which is very uncharacteristic for them. As you mentioned, like this is stuff that's correctable. It's stuff that hasn't happened all year. But when you're giving up 18 turnovers to a team led by John Wall, who's just like maybe the fastest player in the NBA, and who is a, a deadly passer when he gets out into open space, like that's not going to be a good recipe. And you know, I don't think it's a surprise that they ended up, you know, having a successful night from three, 10 of 23. Beal kind of got back going, hit a bunch of mid-range jumpers as well, and kind of rediscovered that range. Um, it, like it, the way the Raptors were playing offense was definitely like it's kind of a cliche on how like the offense leads into defense and defense. Bleeds into offense, but it was very much kind of the story of this game. I thought, and you know, the credit to the Wizards for coming out and actually not soiling, soiling themselves because they definitely did that in games one and two. Marching Gortat was awesome. Um I think the thing for me with Gortat was like his screens were just so, like, they were just so heavy. OGN and Obi, did it. what's that? <laughs>
3: He, he was getting pretty wide on them too. Oh yeah, yeah. Rappers.
1: Certainly, maybe not all legal, but that's going to happen in the playoffs. And like the Raptors yeah. have Serge Ibaka, who does the same thing. But um, like OG in particular, I thought was just getting caught up on every Gortat screen. And like credit to OG for doing a decent enough job fighting through them and eventually recovering. But um, like Gortat giving a shit was kind of a big difference, and kind of the whole team giving a shit was a big difference. Kelly Oubre not making stupid mistake stupid uh, mistake really helped them out. And you know that that I'm not surprised that the Wizards. Came out with their best shot in Game Three, but I don't know about you guys. I'm not entirely concerned about them kind of bringing the same fire in Game Four. Unless like, here's the thing about the Wizards is like the game is kind of determined by their, their their start. I think because they're very much a front runner team. If they get off to a good start, they get emotional and they start like sort of liking each other again. But if it's a bad start, you know they tend to kind of wilt and be the Wizards that we've seen for most of the season. So, you know, if the Wizards come out and have a great start in the next game, then maybe that changes things and they kind of get on a roll again. But I don't know. I feel like the way the Raptors starters have played, even though they struggled, uh, you know, Serge in particular had a rough game and, you know, DeRozan was a minus 17. uh, You know, I, I think the Raptors starters have been good enough in this series to kind of make you believe that eventually, you know, they're gonna. They'll come out with another hot start on on, on Sunday in Game Four and kind of hopefully set the tone for that game. And yeah, I don't know. I guess the biggest concern I have after that game is the bench, like you talked about, Sahal. The yeah. I think especially Siakam and Pirtle have really been, you know. I don't know if it's the fact that teams aren't really guarding Siakam or if it's the fact that their, their pick-and-roll defense has been kind of rough and Pirtle in particular kind of looks as slow and you know not quite as quick laterally as he did at the start of the season. Kind of What he looked like the last month of the year has kind of carried over. Um, but they have not been good. Even though I think they found a couple pockets of good defense at the start of the second and fourth quarters, like the, the offense has completely died without Fred out there. And I guess my question to you, Sahal, is what do you think is the reason for Siakam and Pirtle in particular, their struggles and the bench overall, like it's John Schumann tweeted out today that the Wizards have the best bench in the playoffs so far and the Raptors have the worst. Um, is it just a simple matter of not having Fred or is there something else going on that you see?
0: Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I think Fred is, is obviously the guy that links everything together for the bench. So uh, missing a guy like him um, is definitely going to have an impact on their play. Um, but I think it's, it's different with Pirtle and Siakam. I think a lot of their game relies on um, their intangibles. Uh, not to say they're not talented guys, but um, Jakob and Pascal are very, very energetic guys that uh, do things uh, that other guys on the team or other guys on other teams aren't willing to do. Um, and that's dive for loose balls and get those really tough rebounds inside and challenge shots. and. Uh, just do a lot of dirty work, and I think for Jakob and Pascal, it's um, I think I don't know what it is, to be honest, because they were so consistent this season. Um, Rarely did you ever see a game where both guys um, or even one out of the two guys was out of it. Um, I guess you could say because Fred VanVleet's been out for the majority of the series, it is a coincidence that they aren't playing as well this series, Mm -hmm. but uh, I to be honest I'm not sure what it is between those two guys I think um, now that we're guaranteed a game 5 in Toronto I think um, I can almost guarantee that those guys are going to be prepared and ready Uh, as for game 4 though uh, I think they have no choice but to be ready for guys like Marquise and and Marcin Gortat and all those other guys so um, I I wouldn't be surprised to see a really big game out of either one of them on uh, Sunday
1: Vivek Let me throw this one at you. Like, I wrote uh, this week that the Wizards were kind of at of moves to make and like they didn't really do anything differently in terms of their lineup configurations and stuff. They still ran out the bench unit pretty heavily. I guess Gortat played more because he kind of earned that run. Um, they didn't make the starting lineup change that Scott Brooks kind of hinted at in his game after game two uh, where he said Mike Scott might be a starting five. Um, but Scott still played 28 minutes and was a Raptor killer again. 4-4 four, four from the field, 2-2 two, of two from deep. Um, he's been great in the series so far. But like I didn't really see them make any sort of grand change in how They deployed their lineups, but did you see something in terms of how they defended the Raptors, or in terms of how they took, you know, in terms of their game plan that was different from games one and two that might have led to their success in game three?
3: No, I think I I agree with you. They did a lot of similar things, but they just executed a lot better. Yeah, you know, historically they're what seven and zero in their last seven home playoff games, so obviously it's a tough building to win in. They enjoy playing there front of their home fans, and I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, to me, before the series started, I looked at it as a second-round series. I think the Wizards are a really good team. They won 49 games last year. I don't really, you know, buy into the whole lack of chemistry with them, uh, just because I think during the regular season, it's pretty easy to chase individual goals and get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. But I think once the playoffs start, there's only one goal in mind. So I think all that stuff kind of goes to the side. Um, and they've they've had a history of doing that. So I still think this is a very good Wizards team. I look at it as a conference semi almost. You know, it wouldn't. I don't think it would have surprised anyone if John Wall was healthy for eighty games, eighty two games, and the Wizards finished fourth in the conference. Um, they were twenty four and sixteen at home when he was healthy. So I mean, sorry, sixteen and eight in the twenty four games that they played. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think this is a good team and. Raptors have to play better, execute better. Uh, a couple of things in terms of the bench. We saw a couple of games during the regular season where Fred VanVleet didn't play, and it just impacted their uh, spacing. Yeah. Where CJ Miles struggles to get open, and you know, when you're down to just one shooter, it makes things tough. And then defensively, for both Jakob and Pascal, uh, I think what happens with them is with Pascal, he's got to stick to Mike Scott. And, you know, I think because he's such a an athletic freak, he's so good at being a help defender that he gets caught out on that sometimes, mm-hmm. and then so that's sort of hurting the team, and then with Jaco Perto I mean this has been sort of a story all season when he gets matched up with someone that's bigger than him, more physical and stronger um, it's a tough matchup for him, so we've seen a bit of that with Mahemi, we've seen a bit of that when he's been matched up with Gortat for a little bit um, so there are definitely issues that Need to be addressed. Um, and, you know, I think the Raptors have to come in with that level of respect, especially on the road for this Wizards team. Yeah,
1: that's fair. I think we've only seen Lowry play with the bench in one game so far, or it was a short stint in maybe game two. Uh, and I think there was a little bit yesterday too, but like it wasn't very long. But, like, an extended run only really came in game one in that fourth quarter where they pulled away. I feel like that has to happen more often if, if Fred's going to be out just because the, the the Rosen and Bench lineups haven't been very good. The transitional lineups overall have been kind of a, a, a tricky spot for the Raptors. Like their starters have been great. Um, Kyle on the bench has been good when it's played. And other than that, like it's just been kind of hard to find a set of guys that really works. Um, I guess they found that closing lineup in Game 2 with DeLon, DeMar, Kyle, Miles, and, and Ibaka, which I don't think saw the floor yesterday, but maybe should because it's a really good lineup and it, it went on a 19-4 run to close out Game 2. Um, but yeah, I, I think that like Kyle on the bench needs to be getting more because of, of, what, of what you mentioned. Without the spacing that Fred provides and the extra creation as well, right? Like DeLon's the only creator when he's out there with that unit, whether it's with Lorenzo Brown or Norm Powell. And, yeah. like, DeLon didn't have a very good game. It felt like he could have had a good game, but there was just a lot of attention being paid to him, and it was really hard for him to sort of cut into the defense. Uh, he was just 2 of A from the field, oh two from deep, which is going to hurt. Um, but it felt like he was on the cusp of something pretty good on most possessions. There was just not enough room for him to operate. Um, so, yeah, I think you got to have some sort of spacing option out there with him. The, the DeMar DeLon backcourt hasn't really worked all season. And yep. uh, so... Just like a, a little bit of sort of tweaking from the rotation and sort of the patterns that they're using, Kyle Lowry would be nice. Lowry only played thirty-five minutes. I think he's only gotten to thirty-seven minutes. Like I wouldn't mind seeing him get up to closer to forty because um, he's very good. He's a plus thirty-one in the series so far. He's 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 really good. Um, the Lowry-Derozan Abaka is a plus forty-one when they're on the court, and in all other situations they're a minus forty-one. Um, so I think we should see that more often. And like, I'm just, I'm okay with Casey riding with the best players more than the starters more often. Like OG got to 26 minutes last night. That was nice to see. I'd like to see OG close. I mean, there wasn't really an opportunity to close yesterday because it was garbage time, but, um, like the, the OG was just phenomenal. Once again, he's been outstanding so far. Uh, maybe the most consistent Raptor through three games and, like, I feel like him closing games late, maybe playing small, uh, if you want to play him in place of a DeLon or in place of a Miles, something like that, I think that could work. He, his cutting's been just, like, on point the entire series. Like, I think there are lineups the Raptors can throw out there that you know, maybe they haven't quite got quite gotten to yet that, like, should be able to sort of thwart what the Wizards are doing. But, you know, credit to the Wizards, man. They played a good game. They, they executed really well. Um, I'm rambling because I had something I wanted to ask, but I totally forget now. <laughs> 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 uh, but, 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 uh, I think it was Jakob Impero related, but I can't remember. Um, should like Jakob pertle Vivek, let's go to you. Like, do, does he have a place in this series going forward? Like, would you be surprised? Would you be angry if Casey was just to cut him out of the rotation entirely?
3: Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to. Lucas Nogueira before Jakob Erdl. Yeah. Um, in the next game, uh, at the same time, you know, I, I think it depends on, like you said, with those transitional lineups. You know, does he go more now to Ibaka and Siakam? those kind of things? So if, if those uh, lineups become more of a factor, then yeah, for sure, I would be surprised if you saw him played out. Um, what's Van lead status for the rest of the series? Because obviously, if he comes back, then you probably want to keep that same bench mob together. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be something interesting to follow. I, I, I'd be highly surprised if you played on Sunday, just because you've got Monday and Tuesday off. So why not just ah, see if he can make it to, to Wednesday? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's part of why you go into Game 5 and almost treat it like a Game 7. Um, like Kyle Lowry said, just play every game like it's a Game 7, because now <laughs> you've got the rest on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so, you know, whether Lowry and DeRozan have to play thir- 38, 40 minutes, Ibaka, uh, if he has to go uh, big minutes as well, you know, I, I think you do it. Because I, I don't know if you want to really get back to 2-2 and with the threat of having to come back to Washington as well. Mm-hmm.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's that's for sure. Uh, I would like to see a win Sunday and a closeout in game five yeah. if possible. Um, you mentioned Lowry, you mentioned DeRozan. I have a hard time with sort of judging how they played yesterday. Because I felt like early in the game, they were pretty aggressive. They were looking for their own shot. The Wizards are not really trapping anymore and I think they're kind of just like you know, happy to stay at home on shooters and just hope Kyle and Damar don't cook them the way Damar did in game two. Um, you know, they, they didn't really trap Damar in game two very much. They, they more so trapped Lowry to get the ball into Damar's hands and that obviously burned them. The trapping kind of went away entirely. Kyle just looked kind of hesitant to shoot but at the same time, he you know, he took 14 shots. He was 5 of 8 from deep Eight assists. The five turnovers, were, five turnovers are really bad, and I think those were a byproduct of him trying to defer too much, almost like overpassing and looking for guys where the defenders weren't helping off of them. And when you're throwing passes in the vicinity of guys who are being closely defended, you're liable to get those stolen. Um, so I thought that was kind of way too many passes in traffic. Yeah, that that was the thing, right? Like there were so many times where. You know maybe a past version of Kyle Lowry before this season would sort of just try to finish over a tall guy instead of trying to dump it off or or find a guy in the corner, um, but I don't know. So Hall, like, what did you think of the way Kyle and Demar played? Because I, I, there were kind of mixed reviews, I think, from people. I know Will Lou was kind of critical of Kyle and sort of his decision making, which totally fair, is the decision making wasn't great, but I still thought he was like pretty good. He was very jitterbuggy. His defense kind of fell off, I suppose, and he was getting hung up on screens. And we can talk maybe about uh, the defensive assignments with Kyle mostly being on wall yesterday and Ananobi being on uh, on Beal a little bit more often than they had been in the last couple games. But uh, like, what did you make of Kyle and DeMar's performances? Because like on paper, they weren't terribly bad. And like there weren't that many instances in them, they, of them being bad. But like, I don't know. It's hard, hard to evaluate exactly what their performances were like. I mean, if
0: you could, um, uh, if, if if I was, uh, let's say, I was doing that little quick reaction thing, and I was giving them a grade, I would probably give them a B minus. Right. Just because those guys weren't really um, the reason for the Raptors' loss, but at the same time, having eight turnovers between the two guys is just a little too much. Um, they shot. Kyle shot forty three percent. Demar shot forty five. It's not terribly bad. You could get away with that. The Raptors could get away with that. Um, again, like you said, their their stat lines weren't too bad. Demar had twenty three, four and three, and Kyle had 19, eight and four. So um, their stat lines weren't that bad. But when you dive into the game, uh, like you said, there were some Kyle Lowry boneheaded plays here and there, which led to his five turnovers. Um, Demar was okay himself, um, but I think for Demar, one of the things is that is that um, when you're in a game like this and you need uh, to kind of make a, an entire statement for the, for the rest of the series. You kind of have to rely on your stars to kind of take you to that next level. And I think DeMar did that in Game 2.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think he had trouble doing that in Game 3. Um, but at the same time, you can't, uh, like I said before, you can't really p- place the blame on those two And Serge Ibaka in 28 minutes only has three points on one for four shooting. Yeah. So um, I think they had, I guess you could say, pretty average games. Um, OG had an, had an okay game himself, so did JV. But I think just Ibaka and the bench specifically um, didn't play up to par. Yes! Yeah. Man, you um, scores? So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is that what Sorry, happened?
0: The score? <laughs> yeah. Herrera oh. just scored. Because I want to, okay. Because I'm kind of like in a secluded room right now, so I'm not <laughs> watching the game. but Oh, my bad. Okay. That's good. This is really good, Vivek, I can feel you crying inside. <laughs> no, but, but back to DeRozan and Lowry, I think they played all right games. Like It wasn't anything that was terribly bad from either one. Um, I think it just fell on the rest of the team to just follow their lead, and I think they had a little bit of trouble doing that.
1: Yeah, I think Lowry's 5-8 of eight from deep is very encouraging. He looked pretty yeah. happy to, to jack him up, which was nice to see. Um, I guess one last thing that was an issue, and Vivek, I'll throw this to you. The pick-and-roll defense, not particularly sound. Uh, Jonas, I think, kind of had trouble negotiating in between sort of coming up to you know, give the guard a little bit of a, of a look and then sort of getting back to tag Gortat or Mahinmi, whoever was in there. Uh, Beal kind of rained death from mid-range once again. He also had four. He was 4-9 from deep. So, uh, you know, what, if anything, would you change if you're the Raptors or do you just kind of hope that they don't get hot from the mid-range again? Yeah, it's a bit... Instead are playing with
3: fire, you know. Even earlier in the game, you could see they weren't even contesting John Wall uh, on the mid range. Whether it was whether he was pulling back up for three or even t- settling for the mid range, uh, there weren't even contests. So if you're playing that deep, it's a bit of a concern. Um, you know, I think that's more predicated on personnel. If if, it, if it's Valentinus, I think that's probably how you have to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so unless unless you turn to Baca at center, or try something drastic with Noguero or Pirtle, um, Then you know that's going to be uh, the situation. So I think I, I definitely don't think there's any reason to panic and make significant changes with regards to you know whether it be Balanchunas or whoever. Um, so I think you just roll with the same lineup. Uh, go. And just try to execute better. Don't turn the ball over. Um, Show, you know, the thing that Jack Armstrong talks about all the time, that offensive toughness to just fight through and not get caught up in any of the BS that's going on, whether it's Marquise Morris trying to be
0: a punk and shove a rookie or...
1: um, Marquise Morris is such garbage. My God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what did did OG really even do on that play? Like, I've watched that. it was just a foul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I think that was just Marquise's way of just trying to galvanize his guys and get them going. But it's like, come on, bro. Like, you can... Come on, man. Come also, on. Yeah. And at the same time,
3: the Raptors can't get caught up in that. Like, you're, yeah. you're the one seed. You've got much bigger goals in mind, not just winning a first round. You, you know, if you're serious about winning a championship, you can't get caught up in all that. You can't have... You can't run the risk of guys even coming
0: anywhere near getting suspended. Um, so... Yeah, and that's the thing. I think the Raptors just weren't mentally focused in, in Game Three. I think they just came into the game and they just weren't there from the beginning. Um, I think that I think so that it, first quarter came so
3: easy to them, mm-hmm. where you know they, they took that what was it twenty seven to nineteen lead and uh, and they looked so comfortable that it was like, hey, we can just do this the rest of the game and it'll work. But then uh, you know Kelly Oubre came in and he took a charge and. Uh, he had a dunk, and you know I think that really got the crowd going. And then all of a sudden, everything changed after that. And the Raptors just couldn't match up the intensity. Yeah,
1: yeah, I find it funny. There was a story in the Washington Post today, I believe, uh, that like essentially the crux of it is the Wizards are only good when they really when they like the conflict and strife is like just just wrapping the team up. Uh, and they can only really, when their backs are against the ropes, that's the only time they really kind of pull together. Um, so maybe they feel less against the ropes in Game 4. I don't know. Um, but yeah, in terms of the pick-and-roll coverage that you mentioned, uh, to get back on that, I agree. Like I don't think there's too much you can change. This was always going to be a series where... The Raptors, we're going to have to live with mid-range shots because John Wall likes to shoot them and is also pretty bad at them over the course of the full season. Bradley Beal's better from there, um, but like it's better than him raining threes. And like their pick-and-roll coverage has always kind of been designed to allow mid-range shots. Um, and then you, I think you live with that, especially if you know, you're bombing threes. And the Raptors, I think maybe the biggest thing for them last night was the volume of threes was not there. They were only 12 of 28. That's kind of well below what they've been trying to go for uh, on a per game basis through, throughout the season. And they had 35 attempted in game two. Um, I, I think they'd probably like that up a few more. And if you up that, you up the volume and CJ Miles doesn't go one of five or Ibaka gets more than one three-point attempt, I think you're probably a lot closer in this game and maybe doesn't quite get away from them. So... Um, yeah. Lots of interesting stuff to sort of look at for Game 3. The Wizards did a good job. I thought their their lack of trapping and their sticking to shooters worked pretty well for them. I think eventually that could burn them if Kyle and DeMar go off, and like they have a propensity for doing that. Um, and like they both shot reasonably well yesterday. I think it was just they kind of got it away, and they were looking to defer too much, and that led into... A lot of those turnovers, but if they kind of just like take it upon themselves to win a game, we've seen in the past they can do that. It's not hasn't been a feature of the team this season, but they definitely have it in them um from the last four years or so of practice. So uh (laughs) interested to see that. Uh if I I'd like to see more Ibaka at the 5 if there's one thing I'd like to see um, like uh, that Ibaka Miles Wright Damar Kyle unit that looked so good in that short spurt in, f- in the 4th quarter of game 2 would like to see that a bit more often but other than that yeah I don't think the Wizards did anything groundbreaking or anything to change the tenor of the series it's not like they made some lineup change that the Raptors were on a, ill-equipped to deal with so um, looking forward to game 4 and seeing if the Raptors can bounce back quickly around the table Sahal uh, Worry Meter 1-10 to 10, where are you at?
0: Um, Ten being the most worried. Yes. Um, I'm at a solid one point five.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Quick reasoning for yeah. that? Just
0: um, just just like you said, they didn't do anything groundbreaking. No lineup change. Um, the Raptors knew what the Wizards were bringing into Game Three. They just played with more intensity. They played smarter. Um, they got under the Raptors' skin. So uh, Dwayne Casey, it's not a it's not a matter of him. Uh, drastically changing anything for Game 4. I think he comes in with something very similar. Same starting lineup, um, similar rotations. Uh, maybe he goes to what worked a little more in, in Game 3. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it's going to come down to whether the Raptors are mentally in it and uh, how they deal with adversity in Game 4.
1: Vivek, 1-10, to ten, how worried are you?
0: Uh, so, just to clarify
3: the question, are we talking, uh, worried about winning a championship or worried about winning this series?
1: Uh, we'll go about this series. <laughs>
3: Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried. I mean, you can okay. put me at a zero. Like, okay. once once the Raptors went up 2-0, I just, I just don't see how the Wizards can beat this team four out of five games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you there. I also... I picked the Raptors in five. I figured the Wizards would have one of these games where they played like, the, the, the to their potential. So I'm still pretty unworried, but a one or a two... Um, also, less worried for the grand scheme of things. Now the Pacers are definitely beating the Cavs. Um, that's very fun. <laughs> Shouts to Nate McMillan. Uh, that, that's been
0: a. I mean, Sean, there's no way LeBron's losing that series.
1: Yeah, maybe not. But also, they maybe he just realizes his team is garbage, and Jr. Smith is going to go for game-winning shots, and there's no hope. And maybe he quits. I don't know. Yeah, it's on the I, table. Twenty ten, LeBron
0: if there's any Pacers fans listening to this it's it's not just that LeBron's team's uh, probably one of the worst teams he's ever played with in his career but um the Pacers get a lot of credit this is a really good team yeah. um led by Victor Oladipo who's been almost playing at a superstar level this entire season and has carried into the playoffs so kudos to that team kudos to Nate McMillan kudos to Victor Oladipo and his supporting cast um because you guys have something really special in Indiana going on.
1: The Wizard sorry, the Pacers have like this crazy juxtaposition of their backcourt members, where like Oladipo and Corey Joseph are so unbelievably likable, and then they're just like yeah. cross matched with these two trash bag humans in Darren Collison and Lance Stevenson that I just <laughs> I cannot in good conscience like root for good things to happen to. So <sighs> they're they're frustrating, but hey. As long as Victor Oladipo and Corey Joseph are doing things, I'm I'm happy. So uh, that's going to do it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Guys, thanks for uh, chatting on a Saturday afternoon. Enjoy the rest of the Man U Spurs game. Uh, Go Spurs. Man U is garbage trash. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. Sahal is at SABB28. Vec, at the M. Jacob on Twitter. I'm at Woodley Sean. Uh, and thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again, probably with a post-game podcast after game four on Sunday night. So stay tuned, and we will talk to you then on Locked On Raptors.
2: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.